Notice in particular the last part of the verse where it said, and their works do follow them. Their works do follow them. I'm convinced today, dear friend, that whether it be good or bad, as Brother Kenoit pointed out, that our works are following us. They're not done away with. Some time ago as I was driving through a town, I stopped at a traffic light that was near a bank and they had one of these signs outside that they take these movable letters and move them around and spell out a message for the general public. This particular day the sign read, Have you made out your will yet? That was all that was on it, just have you made out your will yet? And I thought as I drove away about the sign, and all day long it stayed in my mind, have you made out your will yet? And late that evening when I had retired, the sign came again to my mind. As the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart, have you made out your will yet? And the message that I want to preach to you today is by this text, things that I want to leave behind. I want to leave some things behind. And dear friend, I feel today that every one of us are leaving some things behind. Everyone that's here today will certainly leave some things behind. Now granted, I'm looking for Jesus, as Brother Billy has so wonderfully preached. I've been accused of not looking for the Lord. Someone said the other day, Brother Blue has quit looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I inquired what did he base that upon. Why, he said, you're booking meetings in the 1976. I said, what if the Lord comes? What are you going to do with those meetings? I said, I'll give them to you. I'll just leave them to you and you can have them. And of course, he didn't seem to be too impressed and went away without a reply. But friend, I believe that we're going to leave something behind in this world. First of all, I want to leave a good testimony behind. Someone said, why, preacher, you should hear the one that I give on Wednesday night. Oh, it's so eloquent. It's so polished and it's so uh, great. You ought to hear it. I'm not interested in the one you give on Wednesday night. I'd rather be impressed by the one you live on Monday. And I fear today that folks are not going to remember us by the Wednesday night a testimony, but by that testimony that they saw us walk and they saw us talk every day before this fallen race of Adam. I want to leave a good testimony, first of all, in my community where I live. I want my neighbors to know, not just that there's a Baptist lives there, but I want them to know that one of God's men lives there. I want them to know there's a preacher that lives there, not just any old preacher or the run of the mill, but one that loves the Word of God and stands for it in this perverted age. I want them to know that God's man lives there. I'd hate to live in a neighborhood where folks would say, well, I see him with a Bible in the arm. That's about all I 
know about them. I want them to hear old songs coming out from my house. How firm a foundation. Yes, saints of the Lord. I want them to hear amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I don't want them to hear the beatbox of this world. But I want them to know that God's man lives there. We'll leave a testimony behind. When I moved where I lived, the day we were unpacking, a lady came up across our yard, and I had an armload of boxes heading for the carport, and she had a cigarette between her fingers and a pair of shorts on. I threw them boxes down and run to meet her. I said, hey, are you saved? She liked to fainted. <laughs> but I want them to know one of God's men lives there. If you're known just as a Baptist, and I'm glad I'm a Baptist. Somebody asked if I wasn't a Baptist, what I'd be, and I said I'd be ashamed of it. But I want them to know, brother, that there's more than just a Baptist. I want them to know that God's man lives there. And that ought to be your testimony in your community, that one of God's lives there. Not just anybody. Not just one of the Joneses, so to speak. There ought to be a testimony when your neighborhood needs somebody to pray that they'll look you up. There's folks today right now that don't even know what you stand for. They don't even know what you are. They don't even know what, what, what your convictions are. I believe today we'll leave a testimony like that behind. When you're gone, they'll say, well, just so so-and-so live there. When they hang that wreath on my door... I want them to know, glory to God, that there was one of God's men live there. One of the people of God. One that had been saved by grace. One that had been washed in the blood. One that had been called a priest. I want them to know that. There's some of you right now that hadn't left a mark. You haven't even made a mark in your own neighborhood. I heard Dr. Bob Gray say something one time that I'm sure it may not even been original with him, but it impressed me. He said a lot of folks, think that taking a boat ride to Africa will make a missionary out of them. But it'll take more than a boat ride to Africa. Now, I guarantee you, my friend, it'll take more than just announcing to your community that you're a Baptist. It'll take an everyday life, lived, walked, and talked. It'll take, my friend, an honest report among that community. I went to visit a man in a field that I was pastoring one time. I'd just moved in, and I went to visit him. I got there that day, and I said, Bill, I want to invite you to church. I want to invite you to the house of God. He said, Preacher, I appreciate that. But he said, Would you come into my office just a minute? And I went in. I'm sure all of you saw it one time or other, these little wooden cheese boxes that they used to ship cheese in. And he took me into his little office, and there sat three of those boxes along in a row. Two of those boxes were filled with these little charge account books that they'd taken right the name of the creditor up on the top, and they were stuck down in that box. Two of them were full. One of the boxes only had three books in it. He said, Preacher, I appreciate your interest in me, but I might as well tell you I'm not coming. I'm not coming. And I said, Bill, would you mind telling me why? And he picked up one of those boxes and handed it to me. And I looked at the names along the top of them. And he said, Preacher, do you recognize any of those names? And, oh, I said, yeah. Here's uh, one of my deacons. And, oh, there, there, yeah, there's some of my Sunday school teachers. And he looked at me with an arm and he said, Preacher... You know what that box says right there? And I said, no. He said, those two boxes are filled with the charge account books of people that won't pay me their bills. They've carried my groceries off. They've burnt my gas. 
They won't even pass by me now and speak to me. He said, Preacher, that's your church members. He said, I'll tell you, I'm not coming. You ought to have been there and heard my message next Sunday morning. I want to tell you, friend of mine, tonight, today, there are some of you sitting right here that may have an old gas bill down yonder somewhere. Get your head up. I'll let you know when we're going to pray. You look at me while I'm preaching to you. There may be an old grocery bill you've left down yonder somewhere, and you say you forgot it. Why don't you quit lying? You're saved by the grace of God. You haven't forgot it. He won't let you forget it. That's the reason today that we wonder why the lost world won't come. I'll tell you why. It's because of bad testimonies. It's because folks have said one thing in the confines of the walls of the church and live something else out there. It's because, friend of mine, that they'll shout and jump benches in here and cuss and tell tales out there. Friend, hear me. I want to leave a good testimony behind. I want it to be good. I want it to say, oh, Ed, pay this bill. Hallelujah. There's a bunch of preachers running across this country. If you don't believe it, you preachers go in their bank and try to borrow money. They'll tell you in a moment that the biggest bunch of debt beaters in the country is a bunch of sorry preachers. I don't want that to be left behind. I went here a while back to buy some lumber to place. A man that I hadn't saw since I was a boy. And I said, I want to buy some lumber. He said, what's your name? And I said, Ed Blue. He said, which one of the Blues are you? And I said, I'm Andrew Blue's boy. Now, my daddy, I guess, was maybe as, one of the, as poor of me as you'd meet. When I said, I'm Andrew Blue's boy, he said, you can have all the lumber you want. You can just get what you want. You can buy it. Now, my daddy never drove a new car as far as his in his life. He only had one new suit just before he died. But hallelujah. That man was saying, Ed, he left a good testimony here. He left a good testimony here. Folks, you listen to me right now. You may die a pauper as far as money is concerned, and you may not be in the social rest of the blue book or done in bad street. But I'll tell you, if you've lived for God and walked right, you can leave a good testimony behind. You can come to this camp meeting and shout and jump benches and, and foam at the mouth and, and just sling nasal drip all day long. But I guarantee you right now, you're not impressing a world by that. And you don't impress me by that. I told you about that head one time. You get that knot up. A good testimony is important. It's vital to our Christian life. It's not just something that we get up and say a bunch of flowery words, but it's walking out that door of gun barrels straight for God. I want to leave one in my community. Then that's not all. If I was a schoolboy or a schoolgirl, I'd want to leave a good and down to schoolhouse. 
You say, what do you mean? Let me ask you something. School's out now. They're not, there's no school sessions on. But let's say you pass away and leave this world before you return to school. When they pass by your desk there where you sat, I wonder how they'll remember you. Will they remember you as that boy or girl that was just like they was? Will they remember you as that boy or girl that done what they did? Will they remember that boy or girl that always hung that ear over the edge of the crowd to hear that one little tidbit of filth? Or will they walk by that desk and linger? So they is different from us. They didn't do like we done. You listen to me, boys and girls. You hear me right now. You're going to win that bunch to God down there at that schoolhouse. You're going to definitely have to be different than they are. I remember a little old girl that they used to laugh at, and her daddy sent for me to come before he died and said, Brother Ed, will you go visit my family when I'm gone home? And said, I'll soon be gone. Will you go visit? I said, I'll do it. And he said, now, Brother Ed, instruct them and help them. Had one little girl, a little blonde-headed type, just started the school. And when she started the school, one day the teacher cranked up a little record player. Said, now, come on, children, let's have our little folk dance. That little old type said, uh-uh, I'm a Christian. I, I can't do that. Oh, she said, there's nothing wrong with it. I, there's just nothing wrong. Go on. Now, honey, said, Emma said, I can't do it. Said, oh, why can't you do it? Said, daddy's gone to heaven, but daddy told me it was wrong. Amen. Well, I said, darling, you won't make a passing grade. She said, just mark me down and pay her then. You know, God's still got some folks that won't bend. God's still got some folks that won't give in. Oh, I know sometimes the devil screams in our air and said, them that's against us is far more than them that are for us. But God needs to open our eyes. Well, we can see he's got a crowd that's never bowed a knee to me. Hallelujah. Anyhow. One day she grew up, you know, they said, listen now, take this list home to Mom and tell her to get you these things. She looked at it and said, Jim Shorts, and she handed it back and said, I can't do that. Said, I can't do that. I just can't dress like that. She said, well, everybody's good. Said, I can't help it. Said, I, I, my body's reserved for my husband. I'm not going to undress it for this filthy, mindlessful world to look on. It's not going to be looked at like that. They said, you'll get a failing grade then. So just go ahead and mark me down that list. But one day after one of the recesses or something like that, some of the teachers come running out of the schoolrooms and said, boy, a bunch of my students are gone. And down the hall, the two teachers come out and said, some of mine. The other said, some of mine. And the old janitor come up out of the basement with cold dust in his eyes, rubbing tears. He said, you want me to show you where they're at? Down the steps into the basement they went, and a bunch of those boys and girls had got under conviction, and they'd went to that little girl that laughed at and mocked and ridiculed, and she had them down by the cold end, on their knees with their arms around them, telling them how to get born again, telling them how to get saved, telling them how to get washed in the blood, amen? You'll never win by giving in. Hallelujah, anyhow. Drunk as a dog. One day the principal called her in. She said, Uncle Ed, like to scared me to death. And the principal said, Come in, honey, and close the door. And she said, Yes, sir. She said, What can I do for you? He said, Would you tell me how to get saved? 
That's one real living, not bending, not bowing testimony that took their stand for God and said, Here I am. One. I want to have, I do want to have a good testimony there in school. Then not only that, if you work on a job, you ought to have a good testimony down there. I wonder if you were to die while you were here, never get back to that machine or that assembly line. Would there be an old, worn-out, greasy testament laying there somewhere where you had read from the Word of God? Well, I remember that day you bowed your head over that bologna sandwich and said, I thank you, God, for this. They remember when you uh, moved yourself apart from that filthy, dirty, stinking language, will they? Or will they remember you as, well, he's just one of us. Just one of us. No, friend, you better have a good testimony down there. You better have a good testimony down there. When I was working in, on the public job, I remember one time I went to uh, seek out a job at the employment of driving a semi, which is my occupation. I walked up between two trailers at the dock and looked up, and there's a woman standing there. And I said, who's the boss around here? She brought out an oath about that long time. And I said, I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a job. And she said, can you drive? I said, yes. I said, have you got any work? She said, yes. She said, now, do you want to go to work? I said, yes, before I do, I want to tell you one thing. I'm... Back then, I was just preaching whenever I could, just started calling me. I said, I'm a preacher. She said, there ain't no such thing. And I said, what? She said, a truck driver and a preacher. And I said, you just cast your God-given eyeballs down this way. I'm one. And she said, I'm going to hire you and see if you are. It's one time I got hired for being a preacher. I work there, and I, won't, I don't want to heap no glory on me or pray. It's a personal honor to me. I don't, just to him. And I worked there for a long time. And just before I quit, they was having a, a, some kind of a dinner, I believe a Christmas dinner. And she had footed the bill. And I remember before, I, before that, though, one day an old boy cursed in front of me, and she grabbed up a piece of a tube before and said, Don't you cuss in front of that preacher! said, if there's any custom done around here, I'll do it. She had the dinner that night, and them old rough truck drivers come running in, piles of chicken leg. One of them reached over to get a chicken leg. She said, you lay that down, boy. said, we ain't had the, uh, we ain't had the, uh, what do you call it, preacher? Yes, you can have a testimony. I don't care how much of a bunch of hell raisers you've got around that. You can have a testimony. Amen. Tonight, not only should you have a testimony where you work, but I'll tell you what I want to have. I want to have a testimony in my own household. In my own household. Where I live. Oh, listen. It's one thing what Brother Allen thinks about me. Oh, yes. I appreciate those good words you said about me. Yeah. Mother all, I appreciate the kind things you said about me. Now, that's one thing. But I've got a little 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Brother, what she thinks about me, Edward? 
Let you fellas think about this one thing. But what she thinks about me is what I'm interested in. Brother James, I have tremendous admiration for you. One of the greatest preachers ever met. The one among the greatest. But listen, she'd look you in the eyeball right now and tell you, my daddy's a better preacher than you are. Now somebody said, what does that mean to you? Flatter No! It's glory to God because I've tried to walk for God in front of her. Hallelujah! My daddy died last November. My daddy, as I've already stated, his financial report was at the lowest point. Nothing. I remember my daddy as a boy. I'd look up at that great big tall fella, that black-haired shoulders way out here, that ruddy complexion. I'd look up at him, and man, he was a man. My, listen, he's lost. He'd fight you to drop the hat and drop the hat himself. I mean, listen, he'd look you up, boy. I remember one time some boy cussed and man cussed in front of my mama. Daddy never never said a thing, but he just walked over to where he was, slid his fingers down on that jaybird's collar. He said, you won't apologize before you pick up your teeth or after. He'd wait on you, boy. He'd take care of you. But a while back, my daddy became very ill. It was determined that cancer was eating away at the vital organs of his body. One day, though, he called me from home and said, Ed, I feel pretty good today. If you'll come down and get me, I'll, I'll go home with you. So I got the air conditioner just right on the car and drove down. Got everything just right. And I led him out to the old car and set him down in it. Started up the road and in the general vicinity of where I would live, just when Daddy, just after he got saved, started up the road and I said, Daddy, would you like to go back by where we used to live? And I'm uh, not a spring chicken no more. Soon be 49. He always called me boy. Said, yeah, boy, I'd like that. I'd like that. So I detoured off of the paved road and headed back out through the country. Drove up in front of a little house with no paint on it, and I stopped. Looked around at the old fella. His chin was a-quivering. And I started to point out the woods behind the house. He got my arm and said, I, I remember, boy. I remember. And I remembered as a kid, after he got saved, an old rough fighter. I saw him soak his hands in a pan of salty water to bring the swelling down. I saw his hands gashed with men's teeth. He'd fight you while he was laying on the ground. That old rough hand reached up and pulled my arm down and said, I remember. After he got saved, I'd see him every evening heading out through the woods. He'd done that so often that a trail had been worn. And one day, my daddy was one of those men that little boys didn't just run up and start mouthing off to. You waited till he gave you permission. I, I got so curious, one day I braved the possibility of getting whopped in the mouth. And I said, Daddy, can I go with you? He said, yeah, boy. 
And that big old ex-bootlegger reached that finger down. And I took him by that old big rough hand. Down through the woods we went and come out to a clearing and down across a meadow. And we proceeded farther down the edge of a cornfield and walked across a creek on some rocks and back into the woods again. The trail was still very plain. And we walked up to a, a little old sweet gum bush about that big around. And he turned loose, let me turn loose of his finger. And he looked at me and he said, Boy, I ain't learned to pray real good yet. I don't know how to pray no big words. But this is where I've been coming to pray. And said, Now, boy, if you'll get out on your knees like this, we'll have prayer. I went back by there the other day, and the trails growed up. But down there in the woods, there's a sweet gum bush that he left me that nobody can't take away from me. There's a day where a boy prayed with his daddy. Listen, daddy, if you're not praying with your boy, you're robbing him of his heritage. What kind of a legacy are you leaving that son? Oh, you said, I bought him a car. You said, I bought him a motorbike. I've got him a rifle. I never did get any of those things. But I remember as well as it was yesterday, that sweet hour of prayer. He is gone now, but hallelujah. He left me something that I can throw my shoulders back, praise the Lord. And said I had a praying daddy. I had a daddy that prayed with me. Listen to me right now. If your kids have never found you on your knees in prayer, you better get down there. I came in from Veerston one day. My baby was just a baby then, playing out in the sand in the yard, taking a little shovel and putting it over in a bucket and pouring it out. I drove up in the yard and opened the door. And I heard my wife on the inside going, Hoo! You say shouting at home? Honey, if it won't shout at home, it's counterfeit. That's a counterfeit. My little girl dipping that sand up and pulling it out. Dipping it up and pulling it out. My wife said, Hoo! I said, Dina, what's Mama doing? I said, she's a shouting. Amen. Oh, you said it'd scare my young'uns. They wouldn't know what was happening. Not if they're used to it, Walter. I guess we had the first acoustical ceiling in our house. There wasn't many of them back in our day, but we had one of the first. One of them acoustical ceilings, you know, them little knobby textures. We had the first. Mama be in there in the house. Don't you raise your sanitary eyeballs at me, boy. She'd be in there making up them big old cowhead biscuits with her hands, you know, and singing. How fun the foundation, the saints of the Lord. Go all over the sea, and amen. By me today, you can leave a testimony behind. You can. Some of you, they've never saw you on your knees before God. They've never saw you down praying. They've never heard you communicating with heaven. But, oh, hallelujah, I'm glad when I leave here, I may not leave much. But, glory to God, I can leave a prayer testimony. Amen. 
I want a testimony at my house. It's not what you think about me. It's what my family knows about me. I got a three, well, he's my uh, grandson. I got two grandsons. One of them's a pretty good-sized boy now. Used to when I was out on the road. Boy, he thinks his papa is all there is. You can tell right there he's got good taste. Used to when I'd be on the road, why, he'd call his memo and say, Memo, when will papa be home? Well, she said, he'll be here later on, sport. He said, how long's later on? He said, he'll be here after a while. He said, how long's after a while? Well, sport don't bother me. He'll be here. He called back in about five minutes and said, Papa, are you at memo? Sport don't bother me. He'll be here. He called back in about five minutes and said, Papa, are you at memo? No, sport, I told you he wouldn't be here until after a while. Well, after a while, it's done gone. Mamma, I want to see Papa. One day my wife had been to the airport to get me, and two things happened that day as I got home. I was tired and give out, drove up on the carport, and my daughter took a piece of white paper about that wide and stretched it across the end of the carport with red crayon. Said, Welcome home, Daddy. Now, that might not mean much to you, boy. But I mean, that turned me on. Ah, yeah, two doors. That turned me on. Yeah! I got in the house and the phone rang. You guessed it's old sports. Said, Mamma, is Papa there yet? Brother Billy, she said, Yes, Ford, I just got here with him. She, he said, You come and get me. You come in, I got to see Papa. I mean, I just got to see him right now. Boy, she got in that car and took off to get him. Watch old Milford Biddlegrin. He's thinking about them grandyoungins right now. She run to get him, you know, and sports one of them youngins. He can stand flat up on the floor and fall down. Comes just poor little boy I've ever saw in my life. He can't hardly stand up. When the door opened, I heard him start falling in the house. He fell all the way from the car into the house. He stumbled and fell, I mean, all the way. He come in that door, he fell in the door, both arms out, saying, Papa, Papa, Papa. And he got me around the neck, and he wouldn't let go. And he's a kissing me. Now, I'd maybe slobber stay up some of you folks, but that's sugar to a Papa. I mean, that's sugar, boy. Hey, man, brother, I mean, that's sugar. He's a hugging my neck, and everybody else got out of the room, and old sport eased up to me and said, Papa, can I sit in your lap? I said, help yourself, boy. Just there it is, just take over. He called up my lap, and he said, can I snuggle a little? Well, every grandpa knows what snuggling them grand youngins is. I mean, if you grandpa's know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Ain't that good? I said, just snuggle, boy. He's right up under my chin, you know. He laid there a minute and he said, Papa. He said, you know what I want to be when I grow up? No, I said, I know. 
You want to be a policeman? Oh, that's all. I don't, I don't want to be no policeman. So you want to be a farmer, right? I don't want them big farmers. No, sir, I don't want to be no farmer. You want to fly that plane? Me stunned. I said, no, Papa. He stopped me. Turned my face around. Big old tears coming down that little old cheek. He said, I want to be a preacher just like you, Papa. I want to be one like you, Papa. Somebody said, what does that mean to you? Brother, you hear me right now. I'd rather be dead from that little boy to change his mind about that. I want to leave a testimony, hallelujah, that he can walk up to my casket and say, praise God, my papa wasn't a compromiser. He wasn't a pussyfooter, an air tickler, and a backpatter, and a compromiser, and a Casper milk toast, and a corner cutter, and a pink lemonade society shipper. He was a real preacher that loved God, hallelujah. Hallelujah in the hell, amen. I'm not going to, amen. Glory to God in the hell. I'd hate for him to remember me as one of those fellows that sound like the hog cotton in the mouth. We are so glad to have you here today. If you're hearing like that, come on up here and let me box your jaws. You need a knot on your head, boy. So big, we'd have to climb a ladder to scratch it. Yeah, hallelujah. I want to be remembered as God's man that his grandson wanted to be like. Hallelujah. Ah, you said ain't important about that little old grandson. Why, who knows him? I'll tell you what, he got saved and I baptized him. God knows him. Eleven o'clock. Might as well tell you it'll be that when I get through too. Hallelujah. I'm not going. Does them fellas think I'm going to quit? Hallelujah. I don't mind telling you, brethren, I've had it up to here with this crowd pleasing bunch of preachers. I've had up the hair. I'm sick of it. I tell you what, I like for a man to get up and hand me out them big heavenly steaks. About that thing. Sprinkled with some heavenly Worcestershire sauce. We've got too many preachers that the only thing they dish out is snap, crackle, and pop. And that fizzles out before too long. Amen. I'd rather be choked on peanut butter and 40 miles from water to be around that crowd. Amen. I want to be identified with that bunch that's got spiritual muscle. Of God. I want to leave that behind. And not only do I want to leave a good testimony behind, but I want to leave. Up at my house, we was moving the other day, and my little old brother Bobby, that's a preacher, was up there helping me. And I took him in my study, and I showed him all my books, and I said, Boy, there's old W.B. Riley's library. You can have that when I'm gone. And there's old Spurgeon's. You can have that when I'm gone. 
There's old chapel and all. I named over those great trees. I said, you can have all that, shoot, all of that. But I looked over on the top of a bookcase, and I told my wife, I said, you can't have them. Somebody said, what's that? I want to leave some wore-out Bibles to her. He said, how important is that? You let me have your Bible for about three minutes, and if you've had it for six months, I'll tell you what kind of Christian you are. Some of you folks have got Bibles that's not altogether divinely inspired. It's got old light bills. Oh, there's a lock at Junior Tag. There's a four-leaf coat. There's a picture of Aunt Mabel. In my library of Bibles, there's not one good news for modern man. Hallelujah. They're all the old King James Version. One of the prettiest Bibles I ever saw in my life. I was up in North Carolina preaching a revival, and the preacher come in. He had his Bible under his arm. Did you ever see the old Sears book catalog where they flip through them all winter long, and they just kind of flowered out like that? You saw that. Now, don't you take on them town airs to me, you jaybirds. Listen, I can tell a country hick as far as I can see. Somebody said, how do you know I'm a country? I could holler, ha, and every one of you look to the left. You saw them old shears on my catalog just flowered out. That preacher walked in there, and his Bible was like that. You know, that's a dirty, you know, and it all flowered out, and the backs is all ragged on it. And I looked at it, and I said, preacher, let me see that Bible. He said, brother, we don't like that. I said, I ain't going to laugh at it. And I looked at it, and the pages had been stuck together with Scotch tape. He said, they bought me some new ones, but I said, I can't lay this one down. Oh, he said, it's sweet, preacher. So I started out with, said, oh, it's, I said, preacher, it may look ugly. I said, it's the prettiest Bible I've ever looked at. That wasn't all about it either. He had started coming apart down here, and he had laid it down somewhere on the floor, dug him an electric drill, and drilled him three holes through the edges of it, and put him three big plow bolts up there. Amen? Somebody said, well, what do you think about it? Let me ask you, when his kids come back from his funeral and see that Bible, what do you think they're going to think? But when they come back from your funeral and pick up that Bible, they still got that gold stuff around the edge that they give you for Christmas about ten years ago. You know what they're going to know about you? That you were a spiritual runt. That you were a spiritual moron. Somebody said, don't call me moron. Moron, moron, moron. Hallelujah. I won't leave some wild Bibles behind. But they can say, Daddy loved that book. What light is that shining so brightly for me? That gives me such courage, the right way to see. What hope for my trusting soul ever shall be. God's wonderful book divine. That gives me such courage, the right way to see. What hope for my trusting soul ever shall be. God's wonderful book divine. I love the old Bible. A lot on my pathway to shine. It keeps me so happy. God's wonderful book divine. Amen. I love the Bible. And I want to be identified with it.
glory. Some of you say, well, I read from it occasionally, yeah. You pick it up and say, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, where she opens, there I go, amen. You have no spiritual concept of the Word of God. Some of you are still controlled, and you get down on your knees, you poor blinded moron. I know it's not a big point to major on, but you'll say, Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath. Why, you poor nut, you. I'm not living under the law. I'm under the grace of Almighty God. I'm kept of the power of God, and I'm not worshiping on the Sabbath. And it's still 11 o'clock. You better shout now because you've about had it. Hallelujah. And that's not all. I want to leave a faithful attendance record behind. Not one of them off and on as in and out as can and can't do and go and will and won't I want to be a faithful attender to the house of God. Hallelujah. That bunch today that will say, well, I hear that the professionals are going to be down yonder in concert. I think we'll go down there. You're a sorry specimen of a Christian. What I'm trying to say is you're crippled too high for crutches. You're far too far gone for a polis to help you any, honey. Your brain's on vacation. That bunch that will desert the house of God and run off the homecomings and decorations and singing, I guarantee you, friend of mine, they'll never get the work of God done. I like that too. I want them to know, old brother Blue, sit right there. I'd hate for my preacher to get up to preach my funeral and say, well, I wasn't too real acquainted with him. He, you know, he never did uh, come much. And, well, I, I never did. I know it. I want him to say, are we going to miss old Brother Blue? He said right there. Huh? Some of you said, well, I don't get much out of church, and I don't care too much for the local church. Shut up! Don't you open your tater trap to me, boy. I love the church. I love it. I'm going to stand by it. The Bible said Christ loved it and gave himself for it. Well, you said, oh, so-and-so don't think it's too important. They don't believe in storehouse tide. I can't help it if they're wrong. They're wrong. Get that head down again. Give me a songbook or something up here. You let me catch her down again. You look at me. Some of these poor preachers have to preach with their eyes closed. I don't have to do that. I can look right at you. It may be wise to tell you It may be wise to tell you that I'm a half-breed. But I'm a full-blooded child of God. 
but I still may go on a scalping party around here today. Of course, I see somebody's done beat me too, some of you. I told them last night down at the church, folks are standing around and say I'm an American. They'll cuss the country and lay everything, just blame and talk about. I love my country. Even with all of its faults and even with all the corruption, it's the greatest country in the world. And don't you start telling me about your coming across on the Mayflower. Because my kin folks is here waiting on you when you got here. Bless God, if we hadn't showed you how to plant corn, you'd have done them, you'd have starved to death. That first winter, you'd have never made it. Why, you pale skins wouldn't have made it. <laughs> Amen. Then I want to leave a good tithing record behind. You don't believe I'll do it, do you? Some of you say, well, I send mine down to so-and-so. And I send mine to Vernon. And I send mine to a Vernon's woman. You listen. I'm a full-time evangelist. I travel across the country every week preaching somewhere. I want you to get this down real close in your little book. I'm for the local church. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm going to stand for it. Well, you said, I believe I'll send you my tithe. Don't you die. Don't you die. But somebody said, how in the name of God are you going to make it? The same way that that man, when God said, leave that brook down there, there's a widow woman up there with a little cabin meal down the back. I'll make it the same way. Oh, somebody said that'll play out. That's just luck. I'll tell you right now, friend, ain't no such thing as luck. I saw some of you kind of pay, turn pale in. I guess you've got a rabbit's foot in your little darling pocket, ain't you? A four-leaf clover, isn't it, darling? You've got a horseshoe over your door, ain't you? Hope when you walk through it falls on you. Somebody said, how do you make it? Oh, Reno Davis sitting back there. How do Reno? Lord, oh, God, there's up in a Bible conference with him here a while back, and the pastor went for a ride with me in my car. And before we got home, he said, preacher, is this thing safe? And I said, yeah, why? He said, it sounded like them pistons are trying to swap holes. He said, take it easy, preacher. This thing's going to fly all to pieces. We can be a disaster. We got back to church, and you know, he got up that night and said, old brother Blue's car is about gone. So we got to do something about it. And he bought me a brand new. Are you listening, devil? They bought me a brand new $8,000.98 luxury sedan Oldsmobile. Yowie! The shoes I got on my feet, somebody give to me. The tie I've got on, somebody give. The suit.
Lord, I got on somebody. The socks I got, the glasses on my face. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Don't you turn into a God driver to change it. Who are you two? And that's not all I want to leave behind. I want to leave a happy devil behind. <laughs> Some of you preachers getting ahead of me now. I want to leave a happy devil. I want them little demons. When I die, I want them to go running back into hell going, I want old daddy devil to run out and said, what in the world's the matter with you? One of them said, what? Haven't you heard? Daddy devil said, no, what in the world is it? One of them so excited he jumped up and said, ah! Ah! The devil said, dead blues dead. Dead blues dead. I want the devil to reach down and rub his shins and said, boy, you'll never kick me no more. Some of you, the devil, don't even know you're around. Some of you, my friend, the devil yawns and said, Whoo. So what? But every time I go in the pulpit, I want the devil to tell one of the little demons that I'll have an Alka-Seltzer, please. When I go in the pulpit, I want him to shudder. Hallelujah. I want to leave a happy devil behind. I want him to look up at the top of the list, that number one, where it said the most hated preacher in the world. I want him to mark it off and say, change worlds. Still 11 o'clock. One preacher come to me after service here a while back, and he said, I'll tell you one thing. Before you leave, I want to know where you got that watch. I want one. Then... There are some things I don't want to leave behind. This is the second message. I don't want to leave a question in anybody's mind where I'm going. I don't want you to go around and say, I wonder where old Ed Blue went. Daddy was sick and dying, and I was on my way to revival. And I said, I'm going to go down and see him a while before I go. He wouldn't let me stay home with him because he said, Dad, you've got to keep on going, boy. I went down by to see him, and I went in the room, and you may think it's a little mushy, but we held hands. And I'd kiss him on his hand every once in a while. I just kept telling him, Daddy, I love you. I love you, Daddy. I remember used to when we drove him old semi-trucks. 
together. We'd be going up through them old mountains of Kentucky, and Daddy might be sleeping back in the sleeper, them old smokestacks of boiling. And Daddy would reach out and tap me on the shoulder and said, Ed, when we get to the top of the mountain, let's pray, boy. saying, you just got to stay with him. Dad must have recognized that, and he kind of roused up and said, boy, you can't stay. And I said, Daddy, I'd like to stay with you. And he said, no, boy, you've got to go on and tell him about Jesus. He squeezed my hand all the strength he had, and he said, boy, if I'm not here when you get back, he said, I'll meet you in the morning. By the bright riverside, and we'll sit down by the river. Amen. I don't want you to have to guess where I'm gone. Hallelujah, there's a land that's fairer than day. And I'm on my way. Then, bless you, dear heart. Right next, I don't want to leave behind any slander I've said about anybody. If I have some way slanderously attacks you, I'll bow at your feet. And I'll ask you to forgive me. I mean that, brother. You believe I mean that? I'll bow at your feet. I'll get down and kiss your feet and ask you to forgive me. I don't want any slander. Amen. When I leave here, I want me and old brother Sammy to be able to take the hand. Instead of meet you on the other side. Hallelujah. And last, I don't want to leave behind one soul that I could have won to Jesus. I work with the Indians in Oklahoma a lot. A lot of evangelists tell me, said, Oh, I wouldn't fool with them little old churches you fool with. Hey, fellas, do me a favor. And don't let it get out to them fellas what kind of time I'm having. They just sure want to get in on it. I worked with the Indians in Oklahoma. Drove across the mountains in the Oklahoma. There was an old ragged tent. But I saw 30 of them with old red skins walk down and bow in the sawdust and get right with God. We sailed out across the islands here a while back. Looked down at that country. Now them old knobby uh, pine trees was coming up. Oh, hallelujah. I got paid for it one night. 
with a little black girl come walking up to me with that British accent, with tears streaming down her cheek, and said, Sir, I desire to be saved. I said, Hallelujah, you can. Amen.